thankful for these gifts. Amen. We're so thankful. And this morning we want to welcome our brother Lucas Martin Woolman into the family of God. And uh, Lucas, his name means light giving and illuminating and bright and shining. May he manifest that great light. And Martin means a mighty warrior. And so may he be a mighty light and a mighty warrior. <laughs> we thank the Lord for the Woman family. Brother Martin uh, is a deacon in our church and Sister Deanna has served our church for many years. And we're so thankful uh, for their family, Philip, Adriana and Nico. And now our precious brother Lucas has been given as a gift. We are thankful. And we, I was reminded of Luke in the Bible and how he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we don't baptize little children, but the Bible says in Mark that Jesus took the little children up in his arms and he blessed them. And I was thinking this morning of how privileged uh, Brother Lucas is. And I was thinking what the world would call privileged children. I want you to think about that. And to the world, they call privileged children, children that have been born into a family that is maybe has wealth or money or maybe into a country where there's freedom or uh, where they, they haven't been born in poverty, where they have healthy food and medicine. But above all that, I believe Brother Lucas is a privileged child because he's been born into a token family. Amen. Do you agree with that? Lucas is privileged. He's an advantaged child. He's a fortunate son. He's honored to have a father that loves the Lord Jesus. Lucas is, he's blessed. That's what a privileged child is, is someone that's blessed to have a mother that has given her heart to Jesus. And to have a sister and two brothers that love God. And instead of offering their little brother drugs or rock and roll or magazines or something on television, they, they have the privilege of giving him the word of God, giving him the presence of God and surrounding him with family. And some of the family came all the way from Fort St. John today, his auntie. Uh, Yolene and others from up south of Seattle and others in the area. Brother Lucas is a privileged son because he's been given a family that love him. And he has people all around him that love him. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. But love cannot be traded. In this dark world, may Brother Lucas, uh, a privileged son, shine forth and illuminate out and be a bright light. In this evil generation. Amen. Amen. I have to move over here. Lord, as we bow our heads this morning in this sacred presence. Whenever we look into the face of one of these little children that you've given us. We feel like that time just stops for a moment. And we look into the face of God because grace and mercy has come into the woman home. You've given them Lucas, Martin, this illuminating, bright, 
mighty warrior. Heavenly Father, he's a privileged child because we can apply the token over him. Blood is dripping down into the woman home every day in your presence and the atmosphere is right. He has an opportunity early to sense your presence and know the kingdom of God and family and friends are surrounding him with their love and their arms. Heavenly Father, my arms are so uh, little compared to yours. But we stand in your place today and dedicate our little brother to you. We don't know how many breaths he's going to take in this life. We don't know how many days that he's going to be in the woman home and if he would grow up, Lord. But today we want to dedicate him to you. That his body would be yours and free from childhood sicknesses and infection and danger and harm. That his spirit would be clothed with peace. And that his soul early would be germatized by the word of God and faith, Lord, would reach into this mighty warrior's heart. And he would surrender, surrender his heart to you early, Lord. So we give him to you, Jesus, this wonderful family. But they give him back to you for the rest of his life. He is yours. And they will do their best, Lord, to raise him according to your word of God that you've given to us. He is a privileged son. You've provided all his needs before he was even born. So back into your loving arms, we give him today and pray also for his father and mother and his family. That they, as they walk every day, would look into his face as a gift of God. We receive him, and then we give him back to you. Bless his life. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 God bless you, Brother Lucas. God bless you. Amen. Wasn't that nice? Amen. Why don't we all stand this morning? I think it's a special day. I feel a certain anticipation. I don't know what it is, but I want everybody to look at your neighbor, shake their hand, say God bless you, appreciate them for being here, appreciate them for being part of the body of Christ. Amen. There's going to be a day when we're all caught away. And you don't want to be distracted on that day with who your neighbor is. You don't want to be distracted on who's there and who's not there. Because Jesus is going to be the main thing. And I think that needs to be a little bit of our attitude this morning. Lord, don't let me look around. I know who's sitting next to me. I know who's in the balcony. I know who's right in front of me. Let me look at you this morning. Let all of my attention, let all of my affection, all of my heart and soul be focused upon you. And I believe he would be so, so pleased with that. If we could make that our attitude this morning, my hope is in the Lord. As we turn the service to brother Tim Dodd this morning, I apologize. We've taken quite a few minutes, but if we can pull 110% on the word of God, time will cease 
and he'll be enriched and glorified in our presence this morning. I stand in awe. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. Into the wisdom of the ages I the rain of the seasons In the song starts out, Lord, we, we stand in awe in your presence, O oh God. Who are we, Lord? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him, O oh God? Lord, the scripture was inspired and it remains true today, Lord. When we truly catch a vision of who you are and how little we are, O oh God, we can't help but bow our heads in humility. Lord, we can't help but come before you reverently and say, Lord, we stand in awe in your presence. Oh, Lord, how great thou art. And Lord, as we gather together this morning, oh, Lord, we know that we are covered by the blood. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you that your mercies are renewed every day. Your tender mercies, oh, God. Where would we be without you? As our brother John spoke even during the baby dedication, we are a blessed people. And maybe time won't go on long enough 
for these babies to recognize how blessed they were to be birthed into families that believe your word. We thank you, oh God, for your grace. And Lord, as we're gathered this morning, we just invite you to have the preeminence. I pray, Father, you take complete control because you alone are the word that discerns the needs that are in this assembly and those that are watching, those that are streaming, those that are connected by the method of technology, Lord. We don't trust in technology, but we trust in a living God. We pray, Lord, that you'll visit each and every one of us, Lord, according as you know that we have need of. We ask your blessing upon this service for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats for a moment. If you turn, put that slide, that show up there for me. Just want to bring you greetings from a few places around the world this morning. Uh, well, not a few. I'll just mainly focus on Uganda this morning. Um, and first of all, I'll greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good to be here today. Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, over in Uganda, the revival we've been talking about continues to go on. But I wanted to mention it specifically so that you could be praying for them there. And uh, uh, the, the, the government has begun to institute a law there. And the law is that uh, unless you are uh, trained in theology, unless you have a degree from a recognized theological institution, you will not be recognized as a minister. For those of you that are familiar with the message of the hour, you recognize that those are the very things that Brother Branham spoke about would come to pass. And, uh, and I'll just read one statement here that Brother Branham made. He says, now remember, he's talking about the third poll. He says, there'll never be an impersonation of that because it can't be. He says, it's in existence. He says, and I'm warned of this. Right at this time now, it's just happened. So you could identify its presence amongst you, see. But it will not be used in a great way until this council begins to tighten up. And when it does... The Pentecostals and so forth can imperson, almost impersonate anything that can be done. But when that time comes, when the squeeze comes down, then you'll see what you've seen temporarily be manifested in the fullness of its power. Amen. And so what we see in Africa and Uganda is not the only country where the churches are gathering together in a council to bring these laws into existence. But we see also uh, in China... The tightening up against unorganized churches and uh, those without degrees. Ah, you know, my response to them personally would simply be, what degree did Peter have? What degree uh, did John have who wrote the book of Revelation and the gospel of John and the first, second and third epistles of John? The very scripture that these theologians look into were not penned by theologians. Amen. And But we know that that has to happen, and we're not sad that there's coming a tightening, but we're rejoicing. But it makes it difficult. Even the Canadian government has tightened their rules for sending funds out of the country. And I want you to know that so that you could be in prayer about it, because it's it's something that uh, we're living in this hour as we 
we have to operate within very strict rules of of the charity that that we are registered as and uh, and don't think that it's too far off even right in Canada where the tightening will come that if people do not have a theological degree in Canada or the United States all it takes is for someone in government to say you know what there's too much fanaticism which is the rule the reason they're doing it in Uganda there's too much fanaticism and we need to clamp down on this fanaticism so let's get all these ministers trained that will come right in this country as well praise the Lord but I we have a promise this bride will not be shut up she'll be taken up Amen. So I don't want you to be complacent this morning and think, oh, well, you know, time just goes on. It's tightening even as we speak. And so there are great things that are happening over there. And at the same time, there are many that were formerly of denomination that uh, are recognizing the light of the hour. And uh, this is a service that just happened this morning. They're nine hours ahead of us. In Uganda, and this is just this morning service of Brother Ebali's church. Uh, it's packed to the the rafters, so to speak. And uh, some of you young people that have been there, and I've been there, I've never seen it this full. But not only is it this full, this is outside. And uh, and these are all all formerly Baptist people, and so they have recognized the awakening of the bride. And the word has come to them and their eyes have begun to become open. And God is revealing himself to a people that formerly were not his people or were not called by this hour at this hour's message. And so God is moving amongst them. Brother Ringen from Germany is there this weekend. That's not necessarily the reason of their gathering. Brother Stephen uh, 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 Ibali just, uh, I, I don't mean to cast any shade on brother Ringman. he's a good brother and a good minister but it's the it's the it's the word that has caught their attention not a personality is what i'm saying and and so as they gather together brother ebali had mentioned to me he said you know we're this coming weekend we're pro- we're going to have a gathering and we're probably going to need maybe uh 40 vans or so 40 buses to get the people here and i thought 40 buses my goodness, how are you going to get them all there? But then, then he sent me this, this picture, and there you can see in the background, normally when you go to service at Brother Bally's, if you see three vehicles in the parking lot, that's it. But here you see on the left is the church parking lot, and on the right-hand side is the, the all the vans parked on the other side of the road that brought all the people from distance. I'll tell you what, there's a revival happening there. Praise be to God. And so we thank God for what he's doing there and are rejoicing in the work of the Lord over there. We're, I'm just glad to stand with them. I, I'm just glad to look at it from afar because the same God that's doing the work, I can lift my hands and praise him. You know, the same God that I praise when I, I listen to a message and I hear someone be healed, maybe a little child receive its sight or someone be delivered of leukemia or cancer or a cripple, be able to walk or whatever more it might be. It just brings tears to my eyes be, to think that my God so blessed somebody. And, and your God is so blessing people over there in Uganda and in different places of the world. I have a testimony from Ethiopia that I might mention later. And so uh, I'll probably mention later, but I'll bring that uh, a little bit during the service. And uh, also want to mention also the message hub. Uh, 
Um, there's a great work that be, is being done and a very necessary work by translators all over the world. Uh, God bless those of you that have worked on the message hub. Brother uh, Darren Hoffman has labored much to uh, bring the tools together. Uh, also, uh, but many, many languages, I think there's 79 languages now on the message hub. And they're administered by somebody in that language. And so there's brothers all over the world that are working in these languages. There's not a day goes by, but what there are at least three new translations added to the message hub. Now I want you to think about that. Every day, there's over a hundred every month. New translations being added for the bride of Jesus Christ. This message, this gospel must go to the whole world. And then shall the end come. And so I praise God for the, the administrators, the translators. Uh, Brother Kobus and his, I believe it was you and your son, Brother Stefan, designed a program to help the translators. And uh, uh, what's the name of that program? Todd Proof. Somebody yelled it at me. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's an online program to help translators, and I'm mentioning it publicly, maybe for the first time, that, that if there's translators overseas that, that want to work online, it, it kind of helps them to take sentence by sentence. And it, I was talking to a translator in Uganda who said, you know, that this is uh, very helpful because it, it, it takes the message and breaks it down into sentences so that it's not so intimidating. And uh, and we just do maybe a few sentences a day or maybe when we have a half an hour, we do a few sentences and and, and that sort of thing. So it's been an encouragement, Brother Kobus. God bless you and, and and your son. He usually sits up in the balcony somewhere. I know I don't know where he's at, but God bless you for laboring with that. But they had a great week. And and I think there was a number of messages that were uh, completed by that method. And so we praise God. Amen. For all that's being done around the world in the bride of Jesus Christ. If this is really the hour of the tightening, if this is, we know it's going to come. Are you where you need to be right now? Recognizing that the world, the government systems of the world are tightening up. Let us be where we should be. And how do we get there? Let the word awaken you. The same thing that the Baptists are doing, the same thing that the Pentecostals are doing over there in Uganda and different places of the world, as you'll hear in Ethiopia later. But it, it's an awakening that's happening around the world. Let's stand together and, and take our Bibles. Let's sing My Hope is in the Lord one more time. That's why I had you stay just a little bit. My hope is in the Lord from this time.
Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn together to a couple places. We'll watch our time this morning, uh, but have a lot, uh, a lot of uh, depth to the thought this morning. And uh, I think it's a subject that is very crucial for the hour that we're living in. Take your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 31, and then we'll also turn back to Matthew chapter 13. to hear the rustling of those pages. What a view from here just to see everybody standing there with their Bibles open. What a glorious view. Amen. Psalms chapter 31 and we'll begin at verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Amen. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. I could read this entire chapter this morning and it would be good for us. Except that it's 58 pages long and then I'd have to close the service and we'd all go home. 58, did I say pages? Scriptures. It's not 58 pages. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Now this is a, this is a explanation of the parable at the beginning of the chapter of someone that sowed uh, seed by the wayside on stony places uh, and then among thorns and in good ground. All right. And so here is the explanation of the parable. Verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which is sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not rooted himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises, because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Now, we are in an hour. There's never been an hour of communication like this hour. 
There's never been an hour of negative communication like this hour. There's never been a day like this day where we see and can look into by the methods of communication that we have and it's laid visible before the age the mind or the heart of man as the Bible says as it was in the days of Noah that is continually evil before God and it's not just that it's there but it's it's laid out in all of its display in all of its evilness and and even if we could look beyond uh the veil of this this dimension we would see demons streaming back and forth in this age confirming thoughts of men and planting thoughts in the minds of individuals we'd even see demons probably right in this room no doubt trying to plant doubts in the minds of people trying to get you distracted trying to get you to think about things that is not about the word of god and even the bible says in this day that there would be a loosing of 200 million more demons than ever was that would that were bound in the past but would be loosed in the last days and they would come against specifically they would target the bride of jesus christ in the spiritual and in the natural, they would target Israel. And so we see these great uh, uh, battles set in array. But in the Bible says in Psalms, it says, Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. And so we realize that, that there is a secret place and blessed are your ears for they hear. And blessed are your eyes for they hear. Blessed are you if you're one of those ones that, that the Bible talks about. It says, and they receive the word with understanding. And the same bringeth forth fruit, some thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And so there's, there, there's a fruitfulness to us, but, but specifically I want to just dwell on a thought for a moment. In that, like as it was in the days of Joseph, when Joseph being a perfect type of Christ and, and, and how that you can examine the life of Joseph, how many things that happened in his life paralleled like a prophecy, the life of Christ, how that he was sold and how that he was hated of his brethren and how that he was cast into prison and, and how that he had a Gentile bride. And before that he could make himself known to his brethren, his Gentile bride had to be taken away or, or, or everybody had to be removed from the room and put away not put away but 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 escorted to that secret place of a palace and he, so it, 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 Joseph had to hide his bride away in the palace and as it was in that day you're actually in the midst of a hiding away that's taking place you, there's actually you know the in the book of Psalms 23 you're, you're familiar with the Lord is my shepherd and David writes, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. In other words, there are enemies all around me, but you're preparing a table. Let me tell you something. God has prepared a table in this hour. 
that his bride can feast while there's a battle going on all around her. And this table, we could even say that this table being prepared here in the spiritual, I'll say this feast will be continued on the other side. For we're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and it's just going to be a continuance of the feasting that we are beginning and that we are partaking of in this dimension. But because there are enemies, David says, all around us, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That that implies a battle. That implies a struggle, even if it isn't out, outright warfare. That it implies or instructs us that there's hatred. There is enmity. There is a desire for defeat. And there is those that struggle against the believer. But David says, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So in the midst of a battle, you can say, my cup runs over. You can say, I have a table that I'm feasting at. He says, he goes on and says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So even there in Psalms 23, now David's not saying he's he's always going to be at church. But what he's saying, there's a dwelling place that I can dwell in forever. That even though the battles are all around me, even though, though the warfare is heavy, and even though the enemy is strong, but yet in the midst of it, my God has prepared a table. My God has prepared a secret place. And He will hide me and He will feed me in the secret of His presence. Amen. We have come together this morning and we can gather together every day in the revealing of the word because he has promised to feed his elect in this secret place. The Bible says about warfare, it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It's not a physical battle. Matter of fact, I could just drop right in here and say it's a mental battle. The greatest battle ever fought is in the mind. David talked about battles. Joshua talked about battles. You've heard about battles, great battles of World War One and World War Two and Vietnam and Korea. But the greatest battle. Hello. The greatest battle ever fought is in your mind. There's no tanks there. There's no airplanes there. There's no soldiers there. There's just one thing. That's the word of God that the enemy is trying to come against. And we're not warring after the flesh. It's not a flesh and blood battle. The weapons of our warfare goes on in 2 Corinthians 10 saying, They are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, just take this scripture just for a moment. Casting down imaginations. Imaginations, we know there are senses, uh, there are senses in the mind. And brother Ernie touched on it. Matter of fact, um, I think I'm gonna touch on it here this morning just to lay a foundation. This is gonna be a little bit different service for you this morning. But I, I, I wanna just particularly approach this very reverently, but also very, uh, straightly. Because 
you're in a battle. And you need to know you're in a battle. And when you got the Holy Ghost is when the battle began. Not when it ended. That's when the battle began. Because when you're born again, that puts you into the battlefield. I'll, I'll just drop some things in here so you see where I'm going. When, when, the, when the word seed is planted into the ground, it says, and it brings forth 30, 60, and 100 full. Now, that doesn't mean a farmer plants a seed and walks away. Now, when you plant a seed in your garden and it's, it germinates and it begins to bring forth a little shoot, you know, you don't walk away from your garden and say, well, praise God, it's all finished. It's got life in it. That's all it needs. No, it's going to need some weeding. Amen. It's going to probably need some watering. Well, not in Vancouver, but you know, it's, it's probably going to need some water if they, if they keep the atmosphere right. It's going to need some sunshine. It's going to need some protection of some sort, although it might be sturdy enough to withstand most things. But yet in the midst of all of it, there, there's a requirement because of the hour that we're living in, because when, when creation was cursed in the beginning, it brought forth thorns and thistles. That's what the curse was to Adam. And because it brought forth thorns and thistles, God said, at the sweat of your brow, you'll eat. In other words, it will take labor to bring a crop to maturity. Now, God is bringing a crop to maturity. You are birthed by the incorruptible seed of God, but that's not the end of the labor. But there's a labor to keep the battlefield of your mind or to keep the garden of your mind or to keep the seed of the word of God free from outside influences. All right. Are you with me so far? Amen. All right. Let's let's put it up. I I was debating whether to use these slides or not. I think I'll use them. We'll just take a step back and and begin at at an elementary level. Now, Brother Branham makes a statement. He says, now, this is a, this scripture and this quote I've used with the young people in devotions this year. And I'm going to go back to it on Tuesday morning with the young people. I want to take just one aspect of it uh, at the school. And, uh, and he says, now, let me draw you a little circle. If I had a blackboard, I want you to watch here. I'm going to make one ring like this. I'm going to make another ring on the inside of that ring. That's two. And then I'm going to make a ring on the inside of that ring. That's three rings, three circles. Now, that's you. That's God. God in a trinity is one. Without a trinity, he's not God. Now, he's not talking about the Catholic trinity here. He's talking about a threefold person. All right. Three manifestations of the same God. He says he can't be manifested any other way. And neither can you be manifested without being the trinity person that you are. All right. You're a trinity. How many people are you? Amen. That's pretty elementary to believers. Okay. He says that's body, spirit, and soul. Without either one of them, you're not complete. All right. So there's the completeness of your person. So we're going to do just what Brother Brown said. We're going to just draw three circles. I used this diagram probably about 10 years ago when I preached here a series called The Man Within the Man Within the Man. But I just want to zero in on one little aspect of it here. So one circle is the body. Another circle is the spirit. Another circle for the soul. It's the soul within the spirit, within the body. All right? This is just a diagram. You're not a round circle. All right? But the soul is who you are. 
In your heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's where the soul dwells. That's you. That's down in there. But when you're born, you're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. You come into the world speaking lies. You're born with a nature of unbelief. All right. But if you were in the mind of God before the foundation of the world, laying down in there is a predestinated seed. Laying dormant, waiting for the light of the hour to quicken that seed. Not knowing who you are, but God one day will come by your way or has come by your way and reveal to you, you're not just the child of your earthly parents, but you're a child of God. You have representation in heaven. Your name is written on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. All right. You are also a free moral agent. I could feature a whole service on this. This is very important. God foreknew you, but you have to choose. You can run away from God your entire life, and God will eventually bring you to a place where you will admit that He is God and you are His Son. You can be a prodigal son. You can run away. You can spend your worldly life with riotous living, all that kinds of stuff. Make you know. Imagine arriving on the other side. Imagine the last soul that comes in, the last one that's sealed. And the bride goes up in the rapture. And that last one that comes in, maybe they were running from the Lord all their life. Maybe they were hiding. And and when they got saved, there was no more time. But this earthly civilization now ceases to exist. And we're carried into another civilization. And then the realization, what did I waste my time doing those things on the earth for? If God's dealing with you, surrender to Him. Let Him take control of your life. Let Him have the preeminence in your life. Because you are a free moral agent. God will not make you do anything. But He will show you Himself until you realize what life is really all about. Amen. Now, in the natural, we know what our senses are. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. Those are very basic and elementary principles. We learn those in grade school. And we understand what, what those are. Those are gates through which we communicate or this dimension communicates with us. If you couldn't see, taste, feel, smell, or hear, you could be in this room, but you wouldn't know it. See, there, there are angels in this room, but you can't see, taste, feel, or smell them. Therefore, you don't know that they're here. But by faith, you can sense them. There are also demons in this room. Because the Word of God says that the devil is trying to assault the believer. But yet in the midst of all of that, we don't see, taste, feel, hear, or smell them. We Maybe you do. I don't. But yet I know that they're here. And I can see the effect of them on people. And I can see the effect of them in the service. All right? Now, in the spirit realm, we also have... We'll call it five senses. We could call it five channels. Imagination, memory, reasoning, affections, conscience. We have these things that, that are, are ways in which we interact in the spiritual realm and ways or particular senses which God made our spirit to operate with. I'm going to maybe start moving here a little bit faster. Now, the devil wants to pervert these things. All right, I'm not going to go into all of these things individually, but this is my subject. Is that the devil, and I'll use this word, wants to clutter your mind. 
And you're especially living in the hour where he wants to bombard your mind until you, God can't use it the way he wants to use it. He wants to fill it with all kinds of ideas and different things and events and, and, and whatever more, social media or news or internet or whatever it might be. These are all channels which the devil is using. You know, he's shrewd. He's very good at his job because he knows that he, what he wants to get, he wants to get these kind of perversions into your life. And he wants to twist your memory, twist your imagination. I always say worry is the misuse of imagination. All right, and I'll leave that one statement with you, but there you go. That's the beginning of our devotion Tuesday morning for you, grade 12, 10, 11, 12 students. But there's all of these things now the devil wants to do. And he's using these different mediums to clutter your mind. All right, I'll leave that there for a moment. So we have these things. But the Holy Spirit, when He comes, now He can come in the, in the flesh realm. That's why Brother Bram says you can bap, be baptized with the Holy Spirit every day of your life and go to hell. Because if this is all it does, you might be able to feel Him. You might be able to have some kind of natural sensation of the, whole, of the presence of the Lord. If that's all He does for you, you're still headed to hell. Oh my, brother Tim, is that so? That's so, because nothing else has changed. But the Holy Spirit can even come into the spirit realm, and when it comes into the spirit realm, it, it does what's called give us a new spirit or cleanses our spirit. So you can actually have a, a spiritual experience with God, and, and in the spirit realm, He can remove scars and problems that you have. And when I say spiritual, you can also say mental realm. And he can also deal with these things and deliver you of these things. But that's not the new birth either. But it feels good. And that's why many people can mistake that for the new birth. But when the Holy Spirit comes into the soul realm, then what happens is that sea gene of God is quickened and it, it totally burns out the inside of the inside until it's entirely faith. In the inner man. Alright. So that's the new birth. That's the quickening of the CG. Now there's no unbelief nature anymore. You believe every word of God. Do you make mistakes? You still make mistakes. Because you still got a body. You still got a spirit. It hasn't been changed yet. But yet on the inside of the inside. Your nature now is God's own nature. You believe every word of God. Alright? That means divine love dwells in you on the inside because the Holy Spirit is divine love. Alright? Now the devil likes to come around. I, this is just kind of a, because he's against the word, Antichrist. And he, but his object now, he can't attack the soul because it's sealed to the day of your redemption. Alright? Now, I'll just drop something in here. That's why Brother Branham said a person with the Holy Ghost can actually lose their mind and become insane, but actually be sealed by the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the inside can be sealed, but in the spirit realm, there's a battle going on. And that's what can cause a person to lose their mind. And that's why I'm dealing with this subject actually today, is not that people are losing their minds, but the fact that you have to recognize the battle you're in. 
Once you are born again by the incorruptible word of God, your nature has been changed. You know what you used to be. You are no more. The things you used to love, you hate. And the things of the word of God, you now love them. There's a different reality in your life. But still there's a battle that goes on in your mind because the devil tries to come back to the spirit. Because there's where the battle is. And bring these things back. Because you can actually... Be brought back to this level by the devil and be sealed by God because there's a battle going on in your spirit. But there's something on the inside of the inside that has to get onto the battleground. And that's faith in the word of God that will take out the enemy and deliver you from what he's done in your life. Amen. And so the battle that we are in is to keep this realm free from all the enemy's onslaught. And so I'm really not talking about the soul realm. That's the new birth today. I want to talk to you about the spirit realm. Because you have a spirit. And God sends refreshings of his Holy Spirit into your spirit. To renew the work that he did. See, that's why in the book of Acts, chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then chapter 3, they were refilled with the Holy Ghost. Didn't change the soul any. But what happened was they were in a battle and it began to try and cause them to fear what the government could do to them. And so the brothers were taken captive and then they were delivered and the believers got together and they were rejoicing and thanking God for their deliverance and said, oh, how did the heathen rage and imagine vain things? And, and they just described the work of the enemy and the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? God came down and says, I don't want you to have no scars from this battle. Amen. That's why we come to church. Refill us with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Give us a renewed work today in the Holy Ghost. Let our minds, we've been in a battle. We've been in, a, in, in battles of understanding and battles of memory and battles of imagination and battles of things within our mind. And the devil is on slots, even causing misunderstanding between brothers and whatever more. Lord, fill me again. Lord, come with the Holy Ghost and move through my life. And purge out everything that's contrary to the word. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself contrary to the word of God. Amen. That's why we're here this morning. If you're not a believer, you're here to get born again. There's no other reason God has you here. He wants the word to come on your life. And it's not a matter of preaching you to the altar. It's a matter of preaching the word of God until God comes by your way and something quickens you. And you come fully surrendered to Christ and he comes in and fills you with himself. Hallelujah. Totally changing the individual. Amen. All right. Is that all right so far? Just just a bit of background there. All right. So the word even in Corinthians where it says casting down imaginations. The word imagination there is not the individual imagination that Brother Branham talked about. But it's the thought processes. All right, so it's just thought processes in general the scripture is talking about. So that might deal with imagination, memory, reasons, affections, conscience, all of that. Now, I get preaching too fast. How you doing, Brother Murphy? You follow me okay? Praise the Lord. You know, I've enjoyed listening to the young brothers preaching these last couple of weeks. And we've had some real good services. Appreciate every one of them. And thank God for every one of their lives. 
And we're very thankful. So imaginations is the thought process. And it's also now, let me just take you to the scripture for a moment. In Romans 2, it talks about the Gentiles and it says, For when the Gentiles, which do not have a law, have the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, not having not a law or a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So now it's saying, all right, they're believers, but now there's a process going on in the mind. All right, there's things that are happening now, even though they don't have a law, that they don't live by the law. We don't live by the law. We live by grace. All right. And so we're, we're, the law could not do for us what we needed to be done, but grace did it. But now the word goes further and I'll, and I'm just dropping these in for your background. Paul says in first Corinthians 13, he says in describing divine love, describing the power of God, he says, now when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Alright? So my, when I was a child, I had certain thought processes. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now he's not talking about children and adults. He's talking about believers. When you're first born again, your thought processes are very immature. But when you become mature, your thoughts also become mature. There's also a recognition of the warfare and how to conduct yourself in the midst of this great battle that you find yourself in. You can't get away from it. And maybe when we were a child, you know, when the boogeyman come, we run and hide under the blankets. Like that's going to protect us. Right? And we're scared of something, so we run in the bedroom, we crawl in the bed and pull the blankets up over our head. Like suddenly we got this great protection by a blanket. And that's what it is when we're, believe- we're first believers, when something bad happens, you know, we run away from it. And try and hide ourselves. Which is alright to run into God. That's alright. But when we become a man, we realize, I gotta face this thing down. Like Brother Murphy preached, I gotta be Phineas here. And I gotta take the sword of the word and I gotta slay this thing in my life. I'm no longer a child just running away from my problems. Now I recognize these are my problems. This is my mountain. And I am gonna conquer the enemies on my mountain because God has ordained it so. Amen. So we become in in the line of thinking in our minds and in our thoughts, recognizing the reality. Listen, a lot of times as believers, we have to get away from childish thinking. And childish thinking is just, and I'll just say it this way, just get the Holy Ghost and it's all over. That's childish thinking. No, get the Holy Ghost and it all begins. Get the Holy Ghost and recognize you're in a battle, but recognize that you have what it takes to overcome the battle. 
All right? And so we, we realize that, that that's the reality of the battle of the believer. Praise the Lord for the sealing of the soul. And you know what? When you're sealed to the day of your redemption, you could just let the devil uh, just beat you up in your mind every day of your life. You're still going to be there in the end. But why let the devil beat you up? Why let him? Why do you allow that? Hello? I know it strikes me too as well as it strikes you. It's like, why do I let the devil do this to me? Why do I let him lead me down this way? Why do I let him trip me up? Why do I let him? Let, let me just examine it for what it really is in the light of the word. And be able to overcome him by the weapons of our warfare. All right. So now I want to go back to our scripture in Matthew. And it says in verse 22, He that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now it's not speaking here about the new birth per se. It's about the word of God bringing forth fruit in your life. All right, if we had time, we'd go to the, to the next parable, Matthew 13, talking about a sower that sowed good seed and his enemy come in and sowed bad seed and the wheat and the tares sprung up. Now that's talking about predestinated life, wheat and tares. But here is talking about the seed of the word being sown in the mind of the individual because the mind is the womb. And so then as the, as the word of God is sown in your life, you want it to bring forth fruit. Somebody say amen to that. That's what we want as believers. We want fruit, not fruit of our own making, but we want the fruit of the spirit when the Holy Spirit comes. And just the fact that it says fruit of the spirit implies a growth. Fruit doesn't come like that. Amen. Anything that's planted doesn't bring forth fruit immediately. It must grow. It must be under the right conditions and then it will bring forth the right fruit. And so we see a lot, realize that though the word is germatized and I'll drop something in here. Brother Branham uses the word germatized. Don't mistake Brother Branham's use of the word germatized with the scientific word germinated. All right. Germinated means a seed that has burst forth life. When Brother Branham says germatized, and this is just for those of you that read the message, then he's talking about a seed that has life in it. All right. So it's germatized. It, it contains life within itself. All right, so so the the word of God has life within it. The word is a seed, and it is the anointed word for the hour in the right kind of soil that brings forth the results that God speaks for this age. I got a great testimony from Ethiopia to share with you on these lines a little bit later. Now. Brother Branham says the word of God is a seed and the seed is planted in the ground. And if the seed is watered, it brings forth into life. If it's a germatized seed, Jesus said the word was a seed. Then if the seed has fallen into your heart and you'll water that seed by faith, believing it will bring forth after its kind. All right. Another place he says, may I go on record just saying now this, and I've ministered on this before, and so I hope this is already in you. But for those of you maybe that are new, he says, may I go record just now saying this, that I believe that the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God 
will bring it to pass. All right. Now that's a powerful statement. Because then it's not just saying what's your soul condition. It's saying what condition is your mind in? What is the attitude of your mind or your spirit? And if it's in the right place towards the word, it will come to pass. Okay. He says for the promise. He says if you can take the right attitude toward that promise. For the promise is a seed. A seed goes into the ground. And if it's a germatized seed. How many believe the Bible is a germatized seed? All right, the word of God, the promises are all yea and amen. They're all true. Then, well, then why doesn't it happen to me? Well, maybe the problem isn't your soul. Maybe the problem is the attitude that you've got in your mind. I'm talking to believers this morning. Paul was talking to believers. Brother Branham was talking to believers. All right, the whole word of God is written to believers. Okay, it says for the promise is a seed, a seed goes into the ground. If it's a germatized seed, got life in it, it will bring forth its kind if it's put in the proper place. Amen. All right. So we see then that God sends forth his word. It quickens you. You're a born again son or daughter of God. But then you're thrust into a battle. And you're, you come to the place that I'll say, and I'll contrast the two now, the one place where the one has the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Sounds like Laodicea. And the other has prepared soil. All right. Now there's two different ways we can take this, but the way I'm going to take this is I'm going to take this as two minds here. The one has a mind that he has used the weapons of his warfare to tear down every weed that is contrary to the word. So when the word of God is preached or reads his Bible or maybe listens to a message or something, he hears something and it's like, amen. But the other, his mind is all cluttered with the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world. He's living in a busy Laodicean age. And he's got a job and a career or maybe an education that he's working on or something. And when the word of God, he hears the same word of God. And when it comes into his mind, he's like, oh, but what about this? Oh, but what about, well, if I, if I obey that and believe that, then I got to get rid of this. Or does this affect this over here? Or I'm too busy right now and I got to take care of this. Maybe I'll come back to that. Now, the Bible says that kind of a mind is choked out and does not bring forth fruit. But rather, the kind of mind that God is looking for in his sons and daughters is a mind that is completely surrendered to the word of God. And a person that has diligently taken the attitude that this mind is for God alone. I didn't get as many amens on that one. But this mind is for God alone. Yes, the devil will come by. And maybe he's coming by your way this morning trying to plant thoughts in your mind. But Brother Branham said this over here. But Brother Branham said this over there. You know, he did the same thing to Eve. Has God said? Yes, God. No, no, God didn't say we can't eat of any trees. He said we can eat of all the trees, but of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, we cannot eat of that tree. We call it a tree lest we die. Oh, well, God didn't really mean that. Oh, really? All right, now Eve's mind is beginning to get cluttered. 
Now there's thoughts coming in there that are contrary to the word of God. As she heard it from her husband. So, and even though she didn't realize what the serpent was telling her, listen, your husband lied to you. That's what he's telling her. He's saying, your husband lied to you when he told you that God said and meant this. But that's not really, really, your your husband is not really telling you the right thing. You really need to take this other consideration and think about this other. After all, we've been to the schools of theology. And we have dissected the Greek and the Hebrew and everything. And she ought to said, just a minute here, Mr. Serpent. Let me look at your life. Are you a human being? No. Therefore, you don't even have a soul. So you can't even have the right free moral agency to deal with the things that you're dealing with. And many times in the world, everybody, we're living in an age of of opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. Come on, folks. Everybody's got an opinion. You got an opinion. I got an opinion. But the difference between us is we've learned down to cast, learned how to cast down our opinion to the word of God. But there's many out there that's in the world. Listen, I have a distant relative by by marriage, first marriage. Somebody that I heard the other day wrote a book about God. And I knew he had been to some theological college. And so we pulled it up on the on the internet this book and read the description about this book. And I just said to myself, he's insane. He's absolutely lost his mind. I could just recommend one book to him. Not even Brother Brown's book, just one book from history to him that would absolutely disprove everything he has said in this introduction. I thought, what kind of a person? But then I went further than that. And that I'm not interested in what he says in his book because I know what his life is like. And if I know what his life is like, then I'm not interested in anything that he has to say. That's one thing about the message of the hour. No matter how much people try and and take their ideas and try to clutter up people's minds with arguments against the message and tie this together and, you know, bring it over until they're all just got the message so wound up and they got it figured out. I go back and I say, there was a man whose life was so transparent that walked in this age. So close to God. If I could begin to approximate that. Just begin to draw near to that kind of a life. I will have accomplished much. Don't give me theology. Don't give me ideas of man. Don't give me opinions. Give me a life. Give me something that displays, and not just a human life. I want to see God's life behind it, vindicating it. You wrote a book. Somebody wrote a book. Uh, I won't mention the title. But somebody wrote it. It's quite a common book, and in it they talked about Brother Brown. And uh, I was in Ethiopia, and they said, you know, they're quoting this book. The denominations are quoting this book against the Brother Branham. 
And I said, oh, is that right? I said, well, I says, for me, I, I would rather not quote a book that's written by a homosexual. I said, you can if you want to, but I'd rather not. I have no confidence in it whatsoever. Matter of fact, they tried that in Uganda. Same book. And the brothers told me, when, when we begin to broadcast on the radio that that book was written by a homosexual, amazing, all of a sudden the denomination stopped using that book. It's not just what's written, it's what's behind it. Because the devil wants to fill your mind with all kinds of thoughts that come from the pit of hell. So he fills you with his spirit. You know, Jesus received the fullness of the Holy Ghost, was baptized the river. The fullness of the Godhead came bodily into Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 3. What was the immediate response with that? He didn't cry out, it is finished. No, that was Calvary. He then, the Bible says, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, immediately after receiving the fullness of God, now his life began to come into temptation mode. And the devil come to him to tempt him, to plant all kinds of thoughts in his mind by words. And says, hey, you're hungry. After he fasted 40 days, you're hungered. And if you're, if you're hungry, why don't you just speak these stones? If you're the son of God, just speak the stones into bread. Because after all, you're hungry. You should have the power of the spoken word if you're a son of God. I remember that temptation. It wasn't exactly stones into bread. I was laying in bed and I was lazy and I didn't want to get up and turn off the light. So I thought, I should have the power of the spoken word just to flip that light switch off. I thought, then I thought, what a stupid idea. Where did that come from? <laughs> if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. What happened? The devil put something in his mind. But the word of God said, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. He took him up into the temple and said, cast yourself down. He took him up onto the mountain and said, worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And he replied with the word of God against the thoughts that the devil was trying to sow in his mind. The devil was trying to twist the message of the hour. And he was trying to turn it into something it was not meant for. But Jesus stayed with the word. And every believer overcomes the devil by the word. And from there, the Bible records, he grew in wisdom and stature. He had some growth. He had some temptations to go through. And sometimes, you know, we might think even the fruits of the Spirit are spontaneous. But they're not. It takes a growth. We might think the stature of a perfect man is spontaneous. It's not. It takes a growth. Amen. When you bring a seed to life, it's going to take a growth and maturity to bring it into the image that God intended that seed to be. But by the clutter in the mind, I can't come back to this now. The devil is trying to take the believer by taking this entire age there. Let me just take you there for a moment. The devil wants to harness the power of your mind. To bring other minds into captivity. Who invented 
the internet. I'm sure when they invented the internet, whatever it came about, whoever did it, and whatever group was responsible for it, I'm sure they never thought, you know what, this will be a great medium for pornography. I understand it was for scientific research originally. But that wasn't their thoughts originally, but that was the devil's thoughts. And he harnessed the power of their mind to bring something into existence that he wanted to use on other people. I'm sure when when the news media, you know, people used to, we could say, live in ignorance, so to speak. I don't think it's necessarily ignorance, but people would live in, in very isolation where they wouldn't necessarily hear for months what's going on on the other side of the world. Imagine when it took six months to cross the world by the ocean and and, and maybe William Carey or, or somebody would write a letter home of what's happening on the missions field and put it on a ship and that would then go home six months. And they find out six months later what happened last year. And hear about what God was doing. Now it's instantaneous. And the news sites. I mean, I just showed you this morning pictures that took place this morning in Uganda. And so it is in the news sites. And and, and they, they broadcast and they dissect and they train these journalists in school, if you want to call them that, and, on how to propagate news and propagate ideas. And they fill people with all kinds of things. Little did they know when they originally thought of this great idea, which is now on the Internet, little did they realize this is going to cause anxiety. This is going to cause depression. The first person that started social media, whether it's um, Zuckerberg, is that his name? Uh, or whether it was, I don't know if he was the first one, whoever it was that, that began to develop these social media sites and how people could be connected and families could be connected and friends could be connected and you could text instantly, you could comment on pictures and you could, you could, you could watch other people's lives all these times. Oh, what a great medium. I'm sure he didn't think about back then what's proven now that it causes depression. That it causes uh, uh, a feeling of self-loathing. That it causes uh, uh, women and men to think less of themselves. As they walk, look at these flashy images, as I think one person mentioned over the pulpit here recently, one woman takes a thousand pictures to find one perfect one. To put on the internet. Just think, for every picture you look at on the internet, there's a thousand imperfect ones. What do the other ones look like? Amen? What did they look like before that picture? What did they look like when they got out of bed this morning? Probably just like you and me, you know, just everything all over the place and, you know, whatever more, look in the mirror and half get scared. Whatever it might be. I can't imagine what they would look like without their makeup on. But Brother Brown takes it a step further. He says, you don't want to know what that demon looks like that's on them. That wants to bombard your mind. And fill you with things, as I showed you in the spirit realm, that'll twist your imagination. That'll twist your reasoning. That'll twist your memories. That'll bring you into a place that you don't want to be in, but the devil wants you in, even as a sealed believer. Are you with me? There are things that the devil has done because he has this objective 
that he's trying to bring predestinated seed into a place of fruitlessness. Lord, help us. You know, God chose you. He didn't choose your effort. In his foreknowledge, he chose you. And he's revealing to you that that's the reality of the situation. And that what he has done in your soul, if I can say it this way, there is nothing so valuable as a quickened seed within the soul. And the value of that is not to be lowly esteemed. If God has quickened you by his word in this hour, that you have the most valuable thing that can be obtained in this hour. It's more valuable than an education. Hello? It's more valuable than riches. It's more valuable than anything this world has to offer. If God has quickened you by his word, that in the current condition of the world, knowing that judgment is hanging overhead of this generation, the greatest thing a person can have is a quickened seed of God within their life. Amen. A pure heart rather than even a pure life. We want a pure life, but a pure heart is where it starts from. And we are taught yet in this age... Contrary to that, now I'm really bringing it down. We are actually, you're actually taught that the most important thing, and this is maybe more to young people than anybody, because I trust others have matured out of this, but young people and, and people in university are taught that the most important thing they have is the thoughts that's in their mind. And that's, so vital that you be a free thinker. But let, let me just say this. From experience. I look at some of these young men and young women. You might have some highly valued thoughts right now. That you think. That you know something. Those thoughts will change. If they're not of God. You will hold things close to your mind. That you've seen or heard something. That you consider that to be. Important right now. But let me tell you. If the Lord will tarry. That will change. So then I'm saying. Your thoughts are not absolute. But God's thoughts are absolute. They never change. And the Bible instructs us that we are to cast down our thoughts before the absoluteness of God's word. As believers, let me just say it again. If I could just, are you still with me? I'm just trying to zero right in here and say the right thing that will stay with you really for eternity. If we could just realize that in our mind is a raging battle. And the only way you win that battle is to cast the devil out and embrace the word of God. 
That's the nature of human life. But you have to do it. You have to make a decision and a decision is where it all comes into place because that's what you are. You are a decider in the midst of this battle. Will I keep the word of God? Will I believe the word of God? Or will I believe these thoughts? That are coming from whatever source or media that's out there. That are bombarding my mind. If I embrace them, then I'm in trouble. Because now I've embraced a thought that is not absolute. I I like to listen to scientific thought every once in a while. Just to see where they're at. I was listening to a scientist talk the other day. On quantum physics. Anybody understand quantum physics? They don't either. Don't worry. <laughs> and they were, he was dis- discussing with somebody that wasn't a scientist in, in trying to discuss in layman's terms what quantum physics is. He says, well, we used to think it was this and, and we did some tests and we were expecting this, but that didn't happen. So then we had to go back and change our theories. All right. Now, if you'd have taken the original theory as being scientific. Hello? Scientific. This came from a scientist. This came from MIT or it came from uh, USC or it came from some great scientific research center. And this is the latest theory on quantum mechanics. And this is, this is the way matter exists. We're talking about existing. And this is the way it is. And it's science. Oh, and we did our test and we found out we were wrong. There's no absoluteness to it. I'll tell you where the absoluteness is. This is the absolute. This has never changed. This remains true. Hallelujah. And we cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against this word. Why? Not because we're smart, but because we're children of God. This is our lineage. This is where we come from. You can't tell me that it's not true because I exist because of it. Hallelujah. Talk about quantum physics and and the existence of matter. I exist because of this. There's quantum physics for you. Praise the Lord. So we're to cast down now. I'll go a step further. Are you ready for this? How many of you decided what to wear today? Just a few of you. Some of you might say, my wife decided what I was going to wear today, actually. Looking at the husbands that are smiling. I walked up to a brother the other day. I said, man, you look good. He says, my wife. But when you're traveling, now, I'm sorry, dear, I'm going to say it. When you pack a suitcase, my wife and I have different theories of packing. Okay? When I pack, it takes me about an hour in total. Okay, I need so many of these and 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 so many of these. Okay, got it. Throw it all in the suitcase. I'm done. Now, my wife... And your wife maybe is, has a little bit different theory in that, well, if I take this, it'll go with this and this. But if, 
but if I take this, it'll actually go with this, this, and this. So maybe I'll take this instead of that, because then it'll go with that. But then if I take this, then I could also take that. But then I need shoes to go with, you know. And and now God bless her. You know, it's a different realm of thinking than I'm used to. All right? Well, praise the Lord. She went out with the little one. She's not here. And uh, uh, and so right now she's tearing apart my office. Uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. It's okay. She's a wonderful wife. But... When you pack your suitcase, you decide what to take. You also decide what to carry around in your mind. You decide. Because you have every promise here to bring every thought into captivity. But you decide where you want your thoughts to stay. You can deal with scars, you can deal with memories, but I've always said, and I read it many years ago when I was young, that the mind is like an attic, and there's only so much room, and eventually it's full. So you have to decide what you're going to put in the attic, because you can't put everything in the attic. You can't learn everything. You cannot carry around everything. You cannot be knowledgeable in every situation. It's like when I was pastoring up north and somebody would come to me and say, Brother Tim, what kind of car do you think I should buy? I said, you're talking to the wrong guy. You want to talk about cars? You go talk to that brother over there. He knows about cars. I don't know about cars. You got to talk to somebody that knows something about it because that's his life. And someone else come to me and say, well, Brother Tim, what about this and this and this? And that? Well, I'm actually not an expert in business. And if you want to talk about business, you need to go talk to a businessman. Because I'm not an expert in it. Uh, now, if you want to talk about the Word of God, you want some spiritual advice, that's what I've given my life to. All right. But I'm different than you and you're different than me. We all believe the word of God, but there's a gift laying in every minister that he is obligated by God. And Brother Branham can actually go into this in much detail saying he's obligated to lay in the word of God until his mind is completely consumed with the word of God. That's what a minister is to. See, that's why you actually pay your tithes. That's why you actually give to the churches so that the ministry, according to the book of Acts, doesn't have to go working and waiting on tables, whatever else. But they can actually lay themselves aside for the word and prayer. All right. We want somebody in the church. We want the pastor to be able to do that. Amen. We want somebody that's been waiting on God. Some of us, ah, you got to go to work. We all got to go to work. Everybody's got to do some kind of work. But when you go to work, you want to know there's somebody that I've given my portion to the kingdom of God. And they've been able to lay before God. Now, if it's uh, not the ministry here, but maybe somewhere else or some other church, some kind of renegade that just takes the ministry money and just lives any old life. Whoever that might be, they might need to get themselves a new minister. But I'll tell you what. We want to have people with the right kinds of things in their minds. See, you choose what clutter stays in your mind. You choose. I'm not going to put the responsibility on somebody else. I'm not going to tell you, get filled with the Holy Ghost and then it's all over. No, get refilled. You got a problem in your mind. Get refilled. Get rebaptized. Get the presence of God coming down. Pray through until you know that that thought is defeated. And then don't let it in again. 
Guard the door. Stay away from it. There's so many things that the devil, you know, uh, I'm, it comes to my mind, I'm just going to say it. If you're a movie watcher, you know, it gets quiet and squeaky when you go to these places. You are filling your mind with mind battles. Because the devil through the pit of hell called Hollywood wants to fill you with all kinds of misconceptions about life of people on a screen that put some kind of a presentation together and they themselves are on medication for the mental illnesses that they have. Hello? I say praise God for our, our, our little children can watch the drama and things that Mike does back there and the brothers and sisters that put on the drama presentations at camp and all those kind of things. Good clean, godly individuals presenting the stories of the Bible. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I can't even trust what denomination has presented. I'm sorry if that offends you, but I don't trust what's out there because I know the kinds of lives that are behind it. I choose what goes into this mind. Hello? I choose what goes into this mind. I choose what these eyes look at. I choose what these ears listen to. I don't want to be going down the road listening to some kind of rock and roll music. I don't want to, I don't care if it's Christian rock, worldly rock, soft rock, hard rock, medium rock, any kind of rock, or hip hop, or rap. Or pop. I don't even know what these are. I just heard the word somewhere. I don't know what all those things are, but I know I don't want them in here. I don't want to be listening to some kind of Christmas music. Some kind of Christmas music sung by Elvis Presley. Now, as Brother John said, many of you don't know who Elvis Presley was. Go read the message. Elvis Presley was a, was the king of rock and roll, so-called. And he died uh, a traitor's death because he was born into a church, Pentecostal. And he was, he should have lived for God, but he lived for the devil. And became a tool in the hand of the devil and died on anti-anxiety medications for his mind. Demon torments. Because of what he allowed in his mind. That's why men like, what is that famous singers? Jackson, the young one. Michael, thank you. Michael Jackson. I'll tell you what. They had to, they had to take an anesthesiologist and put him to sleep every night. That's how tormented he was. Oh boy, could he dance. Oh boy, could he sing. Oh boy, could he do this and he do that. And tormented in his mind till the day that he died. Couldn't get a good night's sleep. Oh, I thank God. I can lay my head back on my pillow and say, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercies. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, Lord, for so many things that you have done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory be to God. 
Everyday clutter is about choices. Can I go a little further? Everyday clutter is about choices. When you make a decision about what to wear, what to eat, what to do with your time, you chose to come here this morning. Maybe some of you are in a family that you didn't choose, but there was a choice made to be here this morning because you felt there would be something good that you choose to allow to come into your thoughts. And I believe it's eternal that if you allow those thoughts to drop into your soul, that something supernatural will take place in your life. You chose, you choose to open your ears to what's being said this morning or you choose to close your ears. You choose to open your eye gate to the word of God and allow it to come into your mind. Oh, don't you just love when you're so pressed about and so worried and so stressed just to be able to sit down and read a couple scriptures? I'll tell you what's a huge blessing to me. Or just to be able to pick up a message book. I was going to bring a message book this morning, but there's all kinds of them on the back table uh, this morning, thanks to the outreach group and the, the ones that are laboring for that. So just pick up a message book. I'll tell you what I did this week. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I have a, a little son. He's 16 months old, coming on 17 months now. And he walked into my office, and he reached up on my bookshelf and grabbed four message books and walked out of my office. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> And then I said, bring those back here. (laughs) And I put them back. And the next day he went and took those same message books. Lord, are you trying to tell me something? So I took them back and I put them on my desk and I read them this week. (laughs) And they blessed me. Amen. Amen. But just to read, I, I was thinking about reading them. I thought, what a blessing we have. What a blessing, Brother Ernie. Just to be able to take a message book and just look at it. Read a page. Where have we heard words like this word in this generation? Where have we seen examples like this? But you have to go further than just reading it. You have to go, you have to decide to accept God's word, to accept God's truth and cast down everything that is contrary to it and don't carry it around with you. Brother Branham, in one page, one of the books that I read, just in one page, he goes from uh, he goes from Hebrews 11 to Lot's wife to Eve stopping for a moment to Abraham believing. One page. And I thought, powerful. And, I, and as I begin to think about, if I wa- if I hadn't received this message, where would I hear this? There's nowhere else I'm going to hear this. This is the thing that feeds my souls. This is the thing that washes my mind. We're washed in the water of the word. And so there, Brother Brown was talking about how Eve should have just told the serpent as soon as he disagreed with what God said and tried to reinterpret it. He says her problem was she stopped to listen. In other words, her problem was she allowed that to come into her mind. It was her choice. She's a free moral agent. It's your choice. And, and, and you say, Brother Tim, are you saying that we should be secluded and hermits? Listen, listen, there's a certain amount of seclusion that's required in this hour. Because the entire airwaves of the entire age is full of 200 million demons. With every thought through every kind of human being to bombard our minds to create anxiety, depression, 
all kinds of evil feelings, self-loathing, suicide, all kinds of stuff that come into the minds even of believers. Because the devil wants to put it there. But God says, just shut your mind off to the world. Don't feed on. I know some, there's a certain amount that you, you just, you happen chance on it. You can't hardly get away from it. But I'll just say, do everything in your power to rebuke that thing. When the thought comes in, send it back out. If it's contrary to the word of God. Because there's a constant effort by the devil to even get the believer to compromise on the word and to become unfruitful. doesn't matter what you do. You have to decide to focus on this revelation to realize your entire potential. If you're a son of God, you have to focus your entire thoughts here to be really be a son of God. Achan went into the promised land and got distracted. He heard the word, don't touch anything. It's all cursed. Go into Jericho, destroy the city. Any gold or silver like that, take it to the house of God. It's all for God. Don't touch it. But he decided, he got there and he got distracted. Oh, surely a little gold, a little silver put away in my retirement fund. Some nice Babylonian garments. These are too nice to destroy. This is a brand new suit. Nobody's ever worn it. Fits me perfectly. Why would I destroy it? What's, what's actually tainted about? It's just a natural garment. It's just natural things. Why, why would it be cursed? Why would God tell us we can't have these kind of things? It just doesn't seem right to me. Where were those thoughts coming from? It wasn't coming from the word. It was coming from the devil. Anything that's contrary to the word of God, cast it down. Listen, I told you this would be a different service for you this morning. I'm preaching so that you can overcome. I'm preaching so you can win the battle. Because the devil's trying to distract you. He's trying to tell you, what's the harm of a Babylonian garment? It's just a garment. It's just some cotton or some silk or whatever more it might be. It's just just a little bit of this, just a little bit of that. And pretty soon your mind becomes polluted with the things of the world and you can't think straight. You know, if a person was was going to become something in sports, they'd have to give themselves entirely to it. Work out every day. Sometimes I've read stories about athletes and the exercise and the and the repetition that they do. I think I think I, I was reading about uh, one of the famous basketball players of history, and it says it drove him. It drove him. He says. When he was in the off season, he said he would shoot 500 shots a day. He says, and then he would think, you know what? My competitor probably shot more than that. So he shot some more. It was driving him. I got to be better than he is. I got to have a more accurate shot. 500 shots a day on the off season, not during practice time or anything. Just 500 shots a day, 600 shots a day, sometimes seven or 800 basketball shots in a day for basketball if that drove them in the natural how much more in the spiritual are we to be just give me one more promise 
Just let me read one more scripture. Just let me pray five more minutes. Just let me give it just a little bit more to get a little bit closer to God. I know I love him and I know that he loves me. I know that his word is true. I know that he's done so much for me. But give me just a little bit more. Let me be just a little bit closer today. Brother Branham says, even in the message, Jehovah Jireh part three, he says, we hear so much today about decisions, so many decisions. He says, what good does it do to pile up rocks? He's talking about decisions being stones. If you haven't got a stonemason there to cut them and shape them out into sons and daughters of God. He says, God has provided himself a knife to shape out children of God. Sons of God. Where's the knife? The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Dividing asunder between soul and spirit. What kind of a knife is it? God takes a knife in the hands of men of God to turn his children into mature sons and daughters of God. Amen. I can see we're just about there this morning. Amen. You know, James talks about if you have a need. Some of these things. He's talking to believers. He says, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom. Let him ask of God. And giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. You know, there's many brothers just by way of testimony that have told me over the years, you know, brother Tim, I was stumped. I didn't know what to do. And I, I didn't know how it would work and I didn't know how to fix this or I didn't know how to do that. Says then I got to the place where I just bowed my head and said, Lord, I need you to give me understanding. And you know what, Brother Tim? I figured it out. He gave me understanding. I was stumped before that, but then God gave me the understanding of it. Our God is real in all manners of thought. So he says, let him ask of God and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not... Not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You have a mind and you have two adversaries in your mind. Not two adversaries against you, but two adversaries against each other. God and Satan. Double. If you're going to hold on to both thoughts, you're going to be unstable in all your ways. Take God's word. And cast down everything else. Oh, I'm passing over some good stuff. Psalms chapter 27. Brother Brown takes as a text for the rapture. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, in the last days, perilous times shall come. What's the last days? After the opening of the seals. In the last days. He says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. My head shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Amen. What is God's pavilion? He will hide me in his pavilion. Brother Branham actually takes it back in Satan's Eden to the Garden of Eden. And he actually says they were wholly veiled. They were safe in God's pavilion. Where were they? In the Garden of Eden. They were veiled from all manner of evil. Their thoughts were upon God alone. But when Eve fell and took Adam with her, then they were cast out of God's pavilion. But Brother Adam says they were safe in God's pavilion. They were alive. They had no death around them. Hallelujah. They had perfect love one for another. Perfect life together. Doesn't this sound good? They had perfect love, perfect understanding of the love of God. They had God's word and kept it. They were alive and safe in God's Eden with no death at all around. Amen. Now, what is the thought that God had in his mind? That all that was in God, he would pour into Christ. All that was in Christ, he would pour into the church. And then in the end time, in the troublesome times... In the times when the enemy is all about, he would bring Christ, the word fully revealed in the church together like Adam and Eve and take them to another garden of Eden. Hallelujah. Safe in God's pavilion. What is God doing with this message? He's putting you into his pavilion. He's brought you to the secret place in the middle of the greatest battle ever fought. He's brought this reality of supernatural all around his church. Come on, saints. He's brought you into a place that's a secret to the rest of the world. That's why even Brother Branham, when the angel was telling him about the third pole, he says, it'll be a secret. He says, but when you see... The council begin to tighten. This secret will be used in a greater way than ever before. Hallelujah. Where are we at? We've been brought into this place. There's many, as I bring this to a close, there's many that took God at his word and just hid in that secret, hid in that secret place. That's why Joshua and Caleb 
when, when the generation that went in and, and the spies, the ten spies that went in and they got their minds all cluttered. There's giants. There's great walled cities. There's civilizations there. They got weapons. They got stuff we don't got. All these kind of things. How we, we were not able to do it. We can't do it. This, I don't care how big God is. We're not able. But Joshua and Caleb, they hid in God's pavilion. We're more than able to possess the land. We're more than able to take this. This is our land. Caleb knew this was my mountain. I can't walk away from my mountain 40 years in the wilderness. How it must have grieved him. Hello? How it must have grieved him. Give me a little bit more here. And how that he just stood there for 40 years. That was my mountain I walked away from. That was my mountain they made me walk away from. And then when when it came back to the time that they went into the promised land. And there as they stood in the promised land, he went up to Joshua. says, now Joshua, you remember what Moses promised me. Now give me my mountain. Hallelujah. He was a believer for 40 years, putting up with the nonsense of the rest of the people that called themselves children of God as they all perished in the wilderness. Allowed their minds to be cluttered with all kinds of things. But Caleb and Joshua stood there. We are going in. We are going to possess the land. We are going to have all of it. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. We have had the word revealed to us. There's been all kinds of nonsense go, but I refuse to allow that to clutter my mind. God has revealed his word that I might possess the land. Hallelujah. We could talk about Solomon's age. We could talk about Noah's time. How that Noah's generation failed. Their thoughts continually evil, but Noah found grace. He had a message and he hid himself in that message. Oh, brothers and sisters, hide yourself in the message. I'm not here to convince you of how accurate the message is. If God doesn't convince you, nobody can. But I'm here to tell you, hide yourself in it. Let it surround you. Let it be your thoughts from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. Come into it that and, and renounce every doubt that the power of God might be loosed in your life. Brother Branham dealt with it service after service. And I want to say, it manifests itself in different ways. Critical spirits, fearful spirits, doubting spirits. One service, he's, he's talking, and he talks about the woman. He says, one woman touched the hem of his garment and got a blessing. Another put a rag around his head. And said, if you're a prophet, tell us who hit you. He says, they didn't get anything. He says, when you're coming to the Holy Ghost, if you're looking off to somebody that's clowning with it, you'll never feel no virtue. Then he says this, but if you'll just get that out of your mind, get that scarecrow back and say, Lord Jesus, it's in my heart. I'm coming. What will you do for me? He says, you'll receive what you come for. Another place, he talks about the audience. He says, now he's dealing with a stubborn case of cancer. He says, whether it'll leave her, I don't know. I want her to watch. I want your eyes open. Watching my hand, I want you to notice. And then he says this, 
It isn't as somebody out there is thinking, don't think this is mental telepathy. It is not. It says, now you get that out of your mind. Because it's not. See, right there in the service, the supernatural power of God dealing with a demon of cancer. And there's another demon out there saying, you know, that's just mental telepathy. There's another one saying, oh, well, you know, that, that, that's just him. That's just some kind of man operation or something. Or that's just some kind of uh, Beelzebub or something. Brother Brown discerning that. He says, get that out of your mind. Get the devil's thoughts out of your mind. He says, in another place, he says, you want to get over that high blood pressure? If you believe, God will take it away from you. He says, your blood will drop if you believe it. Only through faith can you be healed. He says, I know you're trying, sister. I've watched you for a long time. If you just get that out of your mind that your case is too hard. Nothing's too hard for God. He says, you're anemia, aren't you? He says, you you believe we're going up to Calvary right now in the presence of God for a blood transfusion? God bless you. Go and Jesus Christ restore your blood to you. Amen. What does the devil try to do? He's trying to tell, no, your case is too hard. No, 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 you're, there's others that are healed, but your case, no, he says, get that out of your mind. Another place, he says, and you think you're not worthy to be healed tonight. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because I know what you're thinking. That's the reason, he says, I, I, I do it in a nighttime, find the way the spirit is moving, spirit in the church is moving. Someone say, well, I'm just not worthy. I guess maybe I've done this. He says, get that out of your mind. Sure you're not. You'll never be. But Jesus is. And he's the one who give it to you. He's the one who paid the price. Amen. Remember at the service I just preached on the perfection of the lamb. We're not looking at our works. We're looking at the lamb. Amen. He says, whosoever will, let him come and drink freely from the fountains of the water of life. One more. He says, now the doctor with his intellectuals, with his intelligence and his knowledge of medical science, he's told you the best of the travail of his mind. And you taking your mind and using the same thing that the doctor has told you, God can never touch that line as long as you reason. But let's put down reasoning. God never made us to live by our intellect. Oh, I thought I was made with this brain to live by. No, God never made you to live by your intellect. Are you ready for this? We live by the Holy Spirit that's in our souls. That says no to any reasoning that's contrary to God's word. When God's word says it's so, there's nothing in the world stands in its way. Hallelujah. Then when you do that, you're getting down on the right side of God. You're getting down till you can ask what you want to do and it'll be given to you because there's nothing between there. There's no reason. He says, let's cast away those reasonings. They stand in your way. Get your mind out of the way and don't you say 
what you reason, what you see, what you think, say what God says to be the truth. And that can only come from the inside, from the heart, not from the intellects. Hallelujah. When you've been born again of the Word of God, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what other things. It doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what social media says. It doesn't matter what internet says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. From the inside of the inside, I say God's Word is true. His Word is yea and amen. Heavens and earth will pass away. These words will never fail. As the musicians come, I was noting this week, I'm sorry to keep you so long, but I was noting this week on the funeral of a previous president, President Bush in the United States. It's amazing how people love them when they die. But when they're leaders, any leader is attacked. You can't be a leader, but be attacked. And so... I found lots of interesting things to look at at the funeral, kind of just observing the way things are going and the way they're doing things. A lot of pomp and ceremony, a lot of, a lot more elaborate than maybe a funeral that we would have here, but no more important. And I'll just give you some, you know, they talked about this man as though he was some kind of great godly man. And then in the same speech, they talk about how he would tell off-color jokes and how he would drink alcohol and, and whiskey and those kind of things. And I thought, that's not measuring up in my estimation of a godly man. And maybe in their idea, but not to me. Maybe he was a, what they call a good man or a, a, had some sort of character. I don't know. I never knew him. But, you know, there was enough that was said And there was five other U.S. presidents, former U.S. presidents and the current U.S. president that were there. Two of them were quite elderly. And uh, one was uh, quite young and arrogant looking. And and one was mourning his dad. And then the current one. And they don't need to, I don't need to call out their names. But I noticed when the time came to recite the Apostles' Creed. You know what's in the Apostles' Creed? I believe in the Holy Roman Catholic Church. I believe in intercession of saints. That's in the Apostles' Creed. And I noticed when they, when the time came for the congregation to recite the Apostles' Creed, every one of them recited it, except the current president. Now people can say all that they want about him. I don't know him. I don't know his life. I don't have, I'm not into politics. But if I have any respect for that man, it's on that one point. He refused to recite the Apostles' Creed. But all the rest of them did. Claimed to be Christians. Believing in the Holy Roman Catholic Church and the intercession of saints. And I was pondering that as I was getting reports from overseas this week of things that were happening. And I thought, here's the world's attention that's focused on this event. I think it was Monday, wasn't it? Maybe Tuesday. And uh, and so, but at the same time, Brother Basabozi was in a little town in in south of Addis Ababa, about four hours, 
ministering there. One of the deacons had been transferred there with work and, and was living there and, and was reaching out into the community. So he had gone down with Brother Mogus in uh, Ethiopia. I think Brother Mogus, maybe Brother Abebe also. And, and they'd gone down into this town. And God was sovereignly moving. Something eternal was happening. And there was no pomp to it. There was no ceremony to it. There was nothing that of great swelling speeches. But there was a seed of God there. That was being brought to the reality of what God is doing in this hour. Let me tell you a little bit of the testimony. There was a, a man there that was a leader in a church. I think he was a minister. And he, he had been a part of a church that had emphasized the word. The word, the word, the word. And, and, but it was more in the form of the letter because he never saw God confirm his word. And so while he believed the word, he knew that he didn't quite have it right or something was wrong because he wasn't seeing the life of the word. And so over the course of his life, he, he ran into another fellow that had started a church and he was more gifted like Pentecostal or, or prophetically and had a gift in his life. And so this other man now began to, uh, uh, in, draw him over to this other group. And so he began to go there and he saw more supernatural things. He saw more of the, uh, of the emphasis being on, uh, I won't necessarily say emotions, but we'll just say sensations and different things. And so that began to teach his attention. But one thing that he heard this man say in this second church he was in, the man kept praying, oh, that God might move as he did in the days of William Branham. He yearned for the reality that was in Brother Branham's message. But he didn't know Brother Branham's message. He just knew of the ministry. And so he listened to that, but he never took no note of it because it never, never really impacted him in a great way. But then a little sister got saved in the, in the, that went to the college in that town and she was baptized. And, and, and so the deacon who introduced her to the Lord says, well, she says, you know, what should I do? He says, well, here, just take some of these message books and start giving them out. He says, say anybody's hungry for the word of God, just give them a message book. Tell them, you want to tell them what you believe? Just give these message books out. So they had some of the translations that the brothers had done. And she was giving out these message books. And, and so one of them fell into the hands of this minister who was in charge of the devotions of the college. And so this minister, he began to look at that and he recognized the name right away. That's that name that I heard. The, the name William Branham. So he began to read these message books. He says, the, he, she said, he said to the woman, he said, where did you get this? And, and she introduced him to the deacon and the deacon introduced him to brother Bussabozi and brother Bussabozi came to the town and there took the entire devotion of about 200 college students and preached to them the message of this hour. And to this man in particular, he was quickened by the fact that it's not just the word. It's not just the signs. You know, Brother Bram says, he says, the Baptist is like people that got, got, know how to write a check, but don't got no money in the bank. He says, the Pentecostals like people that got money in the bank, but don't know how to write a check. He says, if I could just bring them together. Amen. That's what the message is. It's the middle of the road to show the word is alive. 
And it's, it's, it quickened this man. And I, I thought about it as Brother Bus was writing about this man and how God had quickened him now and had revealed him the truth of the message of the hour. I thought, there's what God did this week. Not some funeral over in the capital of the greatest nation on the earth today. That They can have whatever they want to have. But over in a little poor country, out there where it's dry, out there where they're poor, out there where they're needy, God came down and revealed himself. Hallelujah. God made himself known over there. Amen. He says in the message where Pentecost failed, he says, he will adopt a people into his own beloved body, the church. And when rapture comes, they'll be found without blemish because you're living in the presence of the king. He says, there's the secret friend. He'll hide me in the secret of his presence. Let's stand together. What has God done in this hour? He's brought the message by your way that he might hide you in the secret of his presence. I'm going to sing a strange song. I hope you know it. Do you know that I'm living on the hallelujah side? Amen. That's where we're living. In this old sinful world. We're living on the hallelujah side. In the midst of our enemies encamped round about about us. God has laid a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Are you feasting at that table? Amen. Verse 1. Once a sinner far from Jesus, I was Amen. Sing with all your heart. Though the world may sweep around me with her dazzle and her dreams, yet I envy not her vanities and pride. For my soul looks up to heaven where the golden sunlight gleams and I'm living on the hallelujah side. Amen. Sing it with all your heart.
will find me shouting glory on the other side. Hallelujah. Won't be some little room like this. It'll be the cavernous, gilded halls of glory. Amen. I want my voice to ring from one end to the other. All the battles that we've endured here, all that we've been through here, everything the devil has tried to come against us, when we get on the other side, I'll tell you what, there'll be some venting going on. Glory! On the hallelujah side. Let me live there now. Let my thoughts stay there. Let me cast down every imagination, every high thing, everything that exalts itself against the word of God. Devil, you're a liar. Get it out of my mind. I may not be good enough, but he's good enough. My case is not too hard. All those kind of things. Cast them down this morning. I belong to the Lord Jesus. And he's in control. Hallelujah. Living on the hallelujah side. Let's bow our heads together. Hallelujah. If you're not on the hallelujah side, why don't you cross over this morning? I want to say, Lord, take all these thoughts. Send your Holy Spirit. Take away this distress of my mind. This anxiety, this weakness, this self-centeredness. Oh God, this narcissism. Take it out of my life, Lord. Purge me with your word, oh God. Every doubt, every fear, let them fall by the wayside. Heavenly Father, great is thy faithfulness, oh God. Oh, morning by mornings, new mercies I see, oh God. Lord, how we thank you for the renewal of your love, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your word, oh God. Thank you for the secret of your pavilion. Thank you for the hiding place, oh God, in these last days. That we can hide out from this age. And say, Lord God is keeping us safe in the secret of his presence. Lord, continually reveal your word day by day. Lord, give revelation, pour in understanding, oh God. Quicken hearts and minds, oh God. Drive out every demon of any kind of fear or doubt, oh Lord. Let the devil be destroyed this morning, oh God. And let faith reign anew in every heart and mind. Lord, we love you. We love your word. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for these believers, oh God. I know Brother Tom, Brother Ed will be traveling back in this week. And Lord, we pray you've given them a wonderful rest, oh God. Lord, may you just be with each one, Lord. Watch over Brother Murphy as he goes to Renton tonight, Lord. Lord, may you anoint him with a double portion, oh God. Bless the saints in Renton, Father, we pray. Lord, we remember the saints overseas, many of them in countries where the tightening is already happening. Lord, we know you will provide a way. Lord, even your word will become more real and more alive. The third pole being more manifested. Lord, these events must happen. Lord, as your Bible says, offenses must come. But woe unto them by who they come. But Lord, great is your mercies to your bride. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We commit the service to you. Bless each one as they go their way to refresh themselves. And we prepare our hearts and minds for the service tonight. Brother John Andes will be ministering. 
Bless him, Lord, as he prepares. We commit all to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Do you love him? Amen. Shake hands with someone nearby you. Wish them the best thing you could. God's blessings upon them. The service is dismissed in Jesus Christ's name.